0: Hello, I'm Brett Gilliland, host of the Circuit of Success podcast, and here's what's coming up on the show. Doing the best
1: that you possibly can, wherever you are. I think we still, even still, we live in a world where we're looking ahead, we are are not where our feet are, we are not fully present, and I think reminding ourselves to dominate the level we're at is to be fully focused and go all in on where you currently are and letting the outcome and the results take care of themselves.
0: Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland. Today, I've got Justin Sewell with me. Justin, how you doing, man?
1: Doing great, Brett. Doing great. Looking forward to the conversation.
0: Awesome. Me as well, man. It's, uh, we were talking before we hit record here. September 11th, 2018 was the last time you and I spoke five plus years ago. I can't, I, I can't believe it's been that long. Wow.
1: It's, it's incredible. Yeah, it seemed like, uh, yeah, I remember, I remember our last conversation vividly.
0: Yes, it was. uh, I one of my favorite quotes, and I've done this. You're the 316th interview I've done now, and uh, for some reason, one of the quotes you said is "dominate the level you're at." And uh, I may be paraphrasing there, but "dominate the level you're at" has really stuck with me, and even a couple of my buddies, we've we've continued to talk about it. Is no matter where you're at in life, man, just just dominate that area. It may not be exactly where you're going or want to be going but if you're there, choose to be there and dominate it. So I'm gonna kick off with that, man. Is, is your thoughts on that when you hear me say that from five plus years ago? It's it's
1: really neat. I, I, I like the fact that you said that as a really good reminder because I think there are certain principles that hold true. They're universal and they're timeless. And I think that is one in particular that is a, just a simple reminder. Uh, number one, dominate being being doing the best that you possibly can wherever you are i think we still even still we live in a world where we're looking ahead we are we are not where our feet are we are not fully present and i think reminding ourselves to dominate the level we're at is to be fully focused and go all in on where you currently are and letting the outcome and the results take care of themselves and doors will open to the degree that you put forth your best effort in the here and now. So I'm, I'm still, uh, I'll still double down on that, uh, on that principle. And I, and I still believe it even five years later.
0: Yeah. It's so true, man. It's uh, and, and you talk about a lot as well as control the controllables. So let's, let's talk about that. When you, when you hear me say control the controllables, we've all heard it. We've read it in books. You hear it a million times from people, but what does that mean to you and how do you help people with that?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a simple principle, but it's it's hard to execute at times Uh, controlling the controlling controllables. It starts with identifying what can I control? I I think asking yourself that question, looking in the mirror and saying, "Okay, the nature of my situation is very difficult. Uh, It's being able to look at the brutal facts of whatever you're going through and saying, okay, what can I control? of this situation now with that, with that, it's also understanding and identifying the things you cannot control. Now, the things you try to control, but can't end up controlling you. There's a phrase that you, you hear a lot of people say is you can control your thoughts. You can control your, uh, you can control your thoughts. We'll just, we'll just stop with that. Sometimes someone might not feel they can control their thoughts. Sometimes they might not feel they can control their emotions because of the nature of whatever they're going through. And I think it's very important to understand that, you know what, my mind is screaming right now. I can't control my attention. I can't control my thoughts. So instead of beating up on yourself over these things that you should control, to be able to say, you know what, right now, I can't control my thoughts. Okay, what can I control? what can i what what can i grab a hold of and sometimes it might be a very small hold on this tiny little corner of of things that you can control and go all in on that another thing to identify as well is there are uncontrollable factors that are contributing to your success or your failure it is very important to identify what those are as well. A lot of times we will succeed. Let's say you have a good week, you have a good quarter, you have a good year, you need to identify and say, okay, what were things that contributed to my success that I had absolutely no control over? Because it keeps us humble, it keeps us grounded. But also when we fail and when we struggle, it's also important to ask, okay, what were things that I could not control that contributed to my failures that contributed that contributed to my struggles to help you realize that, Hey, there were things outside of my control that I couldn't control. I can't beat up on myself about because they were complete uncontrollable factors that I had nothing to do with.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I think, you know, when I look back, I mean, last time we chatted again, five plus years ago, you were with the Boston Red Sox and I believe maybe the Cleveland Browns, uh, now with the Tampa Bay Rays guys made the playoffs this year. That's good. Uh, so you're, you're the you're the director, I guess, the head of mental performance uh, for the whole team. And so when you when you're with guys like that day in and day out, man, you're with the best, right? The best baseball players in the world. W- what are you seeing from them? Based on everything we're talking about, dominate the level you're at, control the controllables, all these things. What are you seeing that you can just sit back in the dugout and watch that and kind of almost in awe saying this is happening day in and day out?
1: What I, I like that phrase that you said, what I'm in awe of is anytime you are around elite performers in any industry or any domain, and I'll speak specifically about the players who I get to see day in and day out, is number one is this, it's this feeling that they're not only pursuing greatness, but you're all, you're not, this feeling that you're not only chasing, but you're being chased at the same time. It's this Mm. constant angst of I want to be great, but I know people are right behind me trying to be great as well. And when you are surrounded by people who are competing for the same thing, everyone has the goal to win the World Series. That's the thing about goal setting. Everyone wants to be great in this level, everyone wants to win. Okay, so what are the things that you're doing? What are the behaviors? That you're setting up for yourselves. What are the systems? What are the habits that you want to be deliberate with that will, where the to, to the degree where the byproduct is success? And I think this group in particular, this this level of performer, they're yes, they are pursuing outcomes, but they're dogged and rig and rigid and and relentless on their pursuit of creating high performance habits. And because they know as they solidify their inputs, as they solidify those controllable habits, the output or the results will take care of themselves. And it has been neat to watch them have a front row seat to watch them embrace the boredom of consistency away from the cameras away from away away from the crowd that is that is huge.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you're seeing that, right? Because I mean, you think about you get there. Say the game's at seven ten. I mean, you're getting there what one o'clock, maybe even before that. Yes, even before that. Even before yeah, that. Yeah. So to your point is that that's the boring, mundane type stuff, isn't it? I mean, this, that you show up. It's, it's not the same locker room every time, but in a sense, that's right. You have square room, bathroom, some weights, little batting cage. It's the same stuff every single day, but yet these guys show up even on days they don't want to and they do it. So, do you find I'm because I'm fascinated by this stuff. Do you find that this thing is just so ingrained in them that they don't need to go to a journal or a you know, workbook type thing or are they taking notes on themselves, on each other, on other things? Like what are they doing that we can apply what they're doing in the locker room that we can apply to the boardroom at work? I think you brought up a really good
1: point. I think they not everybody. And I don't I don't want to say that all athletes are the same, all uh, performers are meditating, all of them are journaling. Some are, some aren't, some try, some don't, some meditate, some don't. Uh, But what is but what I have noticed is some are willing to look in the mirror and say, Okay, what do I need to improve? And what am I and they're willing to make adjustments in order to approve in those outcomes. So for example, yes, there are some athletes who are absolutely journaling. Uh, There are some athletes who are meditating, and they are very deliberate on their meditative practice. There are some who, rather than journaling, they like to talk about it. They want to self-reflect at the end of their game or at the end of the series or at the end of the series at the end of the month to be able to calibrate and recalibrate where they're at to see their trajectory uh there are some who practice visualization there are some who don't there are some who are very mindful of 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 the thoughts that they have going through their mind and their attention mechanisms that they use to, to to narrow their attention and some not so much but so i think that's a lesson in and of itself they are very aware of, of identifying what works for them and uh, they, they do what works for them and what works for one person might not work for another person. And they're, they are very well aware of if they see a teammate doing something rather than jumping on and adopting that same habits, they investigate, Hey, why do you do that? Why, how long have you been doing that? What works for you? Okay. Let me see if I could either do something similar or taper it so that it works for me. Yeah,
0: yeah, the old steal shamelessly, right? I mean, if it's working for your buddy, especially in sports, man, people are so superstitious. And 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 I was talking to Daniel Discalzo; he played for the Cardinals and amongst others among other teams. But he talked about even the times when he's going like over for fifteen, but you're hitting the crap out of the ball, right? But you're just hitting line drives right at the shortstop or a line drive at the center fielder. I mean, those are the times where it's so frustrating. And and so, what do those guys do to stay in the game? Even though they're doing the right things, they're not just—they're just not getting the outcome that they want.
1: I think that the answer is in the question you just asked: uh, separating the process from the outcome. And a lot of times we focus so much on the outcome, but sometimes the process leading—you did everything right, everything, everything yeah. in your power. You did. You crossed your T's, you dotted your I's, you did properly, but you're performing against the best in the world. And there are things inside of your control and outside of your control, and you know what? You hit it right at a person, or they made a great play, or the, it just didn't work out in your favor. And I think there's a very powerful lesson to go with that, to not conflate decision-making and results. We, we learned this in poker, I think Annie Duke, any Duke is a is a very great example of this and teaches this you cannot mix the two Uh, just a a very simple example about this is just because you run a red light you decide to run a red light and pass through the intersection unscathed that that doesn't mean it was a good decision that that was dumb luck that that don't think that but on the same side if it's a green light and you decide not to go on the green light, and another car comes barreling through the intersection, and you would have been hit, or there would have been an accident had you gone through. That doesn't mean it was a good decision. That was dumb. That was uh, that was dumb. That was dumb luck. And so, or or as you're going through a green light and you get hit, that wasn't. Doesn't mean it was a bad decision to go through the green light. It was bad luck. And so, being able to understand and tease out and to say, hey, the decision, the process was good. But the outcome wasn't good. Don't throw away the process just because the outcome was bad. And I say yeah. I think they learn that very often here at the at the highest level. But it's an it's an easy trap to fall into.
0: Yeah. Do you I mean, I, I assume and maybe I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't assume that. But I, I got to think that you're even taking notes for the off season, Right. I mean, things that you're doing in the off season, the people that you're helping. I mean, are, are, are you a note taker are you uh, taking mental notes, physical notes? Like what are you doing to stay a student of the game for you to help your athletes and other clients get better?
1: Yes. I think there's a couple of things. Number one is, is being able to have conversations to, to talk about what I observed. And that's why I think that the axiom build relationships so strong, they could bear the weight of truth is so important to be able to ask an athlete, hey, I'm noticing this. Um, Tell me what you see, or tell me what your thoughts are about that. Hey, I noticed this, you used to do this, you don't do that anymore. Or you do this, and you used to do it before. Is that on purpose? Or is that not? And so this offseason, this is a great time to be able to have a lot of those great conversations and ask them, hey, what were your strengths or your weaknesses? What do you want to do next season? And I think that's Im- imperative number
0: one. So you, so I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Uh, number two, it's very important for me to continue to strengthen my skill set, whether it be learning more about neuroscience, learning more about organizational uh, behavior, learning more about how to ask better questions. Uh, you're right taking notes taking courses getting more education so that I can be a better uh, a better resource for the people who I work with just like an elite athlete here they are trying to sharpen and get better and, and improve I would be doing a disservice if I wasn't trying to do the same thing on my end if I wasn't trying to learn and grow and understand and 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 get better and sharp with my own skill set, And that's where the off season is for myself and for the coaches as well. What can we do to get better so that we can be better resources for these athletes who are trying to get better as well?
0: Because the expectations are high, right? I mean, you've got high expectations, but they've got high expectations for you. And there's a ton of guys and gals out there that, that want to put on that, that raise uh, hat and come in the locker room every day. Right. So you got to stay on your game, man, which I think for us, in the business world is important. You know, there, there's people coming for your clients, your patients, whatever it is you do for a living. I mean, that stuff is always out there. So we got to we got to stay a student of the game, I think is a, is a big deal. You you put on recently on social media, you said um it was a post, I'm going to paraphrase, but basically, you know, if you want to set high goals, your lifestyle must be in line with those high goals, right? And so I think so let's talk about that because I don't know if it was Bryce Harper or Mike Trout. I remember somebody saying it's basically a lot of guys just want to get to the league, but they said their main goal was to get to the hall of fame. And so that's a different expectation, right? If I want to be in the hall of fame, well, here's my work ethic. If I just want to get to the league, well, maybe you get there and you last a week and then you're gone and you never come back. So, so talk about that lifestyle, setting high goals and what we got to do there.
1: Yes. uh, People, uh, people underestimate whenever you set a high goal, uh, you also have to commit to the lifestyle that's going to be required to achieve that goal. And what a lot of people do is they underestimate the cost of the goal. Like everything comes with a cost. And when I say cost, it's going to, what's it, whatever goal that you set in any, in your life, you need to ask yourself, what's the cost of time? what's the cost of energy, and what's gonna be the cost of my focus? You have to honestly ask yourself that question, those questions, because the higher goal you have, the, the, the higher your expectations, the more it's going to cost. And that's just in anything, in anything in life, if you want uh, more ex- things that are more expensive or higher quality is gonna cost more. And you just need to add, just be honest with yourself. Do I really want this goal? Okay, great. I cannot underestimate how hard it's going to be and how long it's going to take. And so if you're going to set a high goal, you need to ask yourself, what am I willing to do? There are trade-offs. And in order to pay the price to achieve these things, it's going to require a cost. And so it might be uh, you have to start doing some things. You have to ask yourself, okay, if I'm going to achieve that and this is the cost, what do I need to start doing? what do I need to stop doing? And what do I need to keep doing in order to achieve this goal? And then once you start getting down that track, a lot of people will realize, you know what? This isn't for me. This yeah. this is not yeah. for me because if it was easy, everybody would do it, Every, everyone would do it. But if you, yeah, if you wanna truly be consistent and and really achieve these things, it's going to take, a lot of effort. Now, another thing as well is you don't have to do everything all at once. It's all about being chipping away and being consistent every single day and building the capacity to be able to stick with it for the long haul. You, where people struggle is they focus on intensity and they don't focus on consistency. Focus on building these tiny, small habits every single day. And then you slowly build it, slowly build it, slowly build it. It's that long term success. Um, they, they think that success is built in a microwave when the reality is success is built in a slow cooker.
0: Yeah. And I agree with that. And I think there's, in my opinion, there's, there's difference in working out of motivation and working out of purpose, right? So, I mean, if you got to constantly be getting motivated, I mean, day in and day out, you got to listen to motivational speaker. You got to get your pump up music. You got to do all this stuff. I don't think you're real clear on what you're trying to go do. Right? So I know for me, when I'm working in my purpose, helping people achieve a future greater than their past, when I'm doing that, I don't need motivation. I'm doing what I'm put on this earth to do. Right? But yet how do we dig deep? And even on days we don't want to do it. And maybe you had a comment there when you hear me say that.
1: It was still so refreshing what you said. I, I took a deep breath cause I'm like, that was refreshing and that is true. <laughs> motivation is such a it's a it's a word that you hear a lot i was talking to someone the other day and they're like how do i motivate my people and that's a common question i think great leaders or leaders are asking how do i motivate my people coaches how do i motivate my athletes parents how do i motivate my kids but what the research shows a better question is how do i create an environment where they motivate themselves and even that word motivation is is interesting too because we never use the word motivation the athletes not even on purpose yeah the athletes at the highest level never talk about motivation because it's discipline it's purpose like it's you building these habits where when you're creating a habit at first it's uh uncomfortable but then if you keep doing it it becomes unbreakable and motivation it's it's you have to be willing to do something, even when you don't feel like doing it. These guys, they don't feel like eating the way they eat. They don't feel Mm -hmm. like doing these boring Monday things. But you do it because your purpose is is stronger than your desire to not do it. it is like, hey, this is just what I do. And and an example I always give is like brushing your teeth. Uh, I always ask somebody, I'll ask someone, are you motivated to brush your teeth? What motivates you to brush your teeth? Assuming that you do it every day. And you're <laughs> like, well, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm not motivated. I just do it. You just do it. It's like, interesting. Right. You just naturally do it. You you can create these habits where maybe at first you need motivation, as you want to call call it, but then it's discipline. And then it's purpose. And then you get to a point to where it's just, it's just what you do. It's just what I you do. Just, it's just, yeah baked. This is just what I do. It's just what I do. And, and it's, it's with that consistency. Yeah.
0: I think let's stay on the uh, brushing your teeth. I always talk about the fact that, you know, it's not, let's call it twice a day that you're brushing your teeth, but it's not 14 times on Sunday. Oh, I got my 14 times in, right? No, 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 no. It's twice a day, seven days a week, whether you want to do it or not just for something that small. Right. And so it's the same thing. People are like, well, you know, I'm doing this on, uh, you know, on Sunday, maybe I get a big workout in or I get this eaten right in or whatever it may be, but it's not that man, it's twice a day, 14 times a week. And that's what we got to do with our personal lives as well. And I think I found I was working and was successful early on in my financial advising career, but I was always having to search for that motivation because I wasn't truly living the authentic life that I wanted to be living. Right. Hence why I ended up leaving there and starting my own firm is to work more on my purpose, And I think that's where if anybody's driving down the road or exercising, listening to this, and you're constantly looking for motivation, I would say dig deeper and go find your purpose. Would you agree?
1: I love that. Yeah. Purpose is it's your engine behind performance. Uh, you look at these athletes who are fast and strong and smart and talented. You're going to run into when you get to the highest level, everyone's fast. Everyone's yeah. strong, everyone's right. talented, everyone's smart, but it's it's like like a really nice car. Like it doesn't matter how nice the car is, if it doesn't have an engine, it's not going anywhere. It, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> and so for me, engine purpose is the engine that drives performance. Why do you do what you do? And yeah. sometimes it changes. There's a time when I was sitting, I was with the Browns, and an athlete comes into my office and he said Sue, man i'm just kind of going through the motions i'm just i don't know what it is i'm just kind of i'm not as driven as i used to be and the first question i ask is okay common question what's your why this if you're okay with it can you share with me your why what's your purpose Mm -hmm. and he goes this is what his answer was to play in the nfl and right when he said that he stopped himself and i said did you just say to play in the nfl is your purpose and he was almost embarrassed that he said that out loud he had been in the nfl for three years for three seasons which is a very it's longer but, than normal like this is twice NFL as long star. as the average right yes yeah exactly exactly and he goes oh my goodness i said tell me about it. he said what he goes to play in the nfl was my why through college it was my why through high school it drove me it propelled me it lit me on fire it helped me through the nfl combine he goes it was it what it's what kept me going it was my fire and he goes i didn't think of changing my why until right now i kept it it got me here but once i got here i it wasn't until that moment he didn't realize that he now needed to change his why to find something to fire him up, to find something to propel him, we sat there. We went through his why. We created a new one, and wouldn't you know it? He's still playing to this day, and that was four years ago. And he's still wow. playing. He has some Pro Bowls under his belt, big contracts under his belt, and we talked about it. He goes, "I went through a little. I went through a little dry spell, and it, all it took was him recalibrating his purpose to light that fire under him for himself. Yeah, for himself." to keep going on. So that's why I like purpose so much. It's like, what is your why? Why do you do what you do? Because you'll find more power to do what you do when you do it on purpose with purpose. Yeah.
0: Well, so many things stand out for me right there. But number one is that the teacher appears when the student's ready, right? I mean, he, he, but he needed that sounding board in you. And so again, people listening to this, I would say, if you don't have a coach or you don't have a mentor, but you're feeling stuck right now, just go talk to somebody. And and so many times when by us talking to somebody, we can figure it out on our own, right? Just like he started to figure it out, but now you got that confidant with you that's going to help you and walk you through it and be there for you. And that's a big, big deal. I, I
1: like what you said because I always get the question, what do you tell these elite athletes? What do you tell them? Yeah. And the reality is I respect their experience and I respect their expertise they are highly competitive. They have done things that I couldn't imagine doing. Right. Um, even earlier in my career, when I was with the military, When I, I've never been in the military. I've never jumped out of planes. I've never been in combat. I've never played major league baseball. I've never led a, an organiz- a multi-million dollar organization. However, However, when I sit with these athletes and these leaders, it's asking questions and providing a space where they feel safe to, to listen to themselves talk, creating a space where they can hear themselves think out loud and they'll say certain things and then they'll be like, whoa, I've never said that out loud. I've had it in my head, I've never said it out loud. And, and the, the, the principle I always love to, lay, to lean on is, if you want better answers, start asking better questions. Mm. And so I will ask these questions, hey, what is your why? What are you afraid of? What are your weaknesses? And to let them answer and let them put it on the table and say, okay, let's look through these answers and pick one up and say, do you, you just said this, do you believe this? What about this? Okay. Let's put that down. Or what are you going to do about it? Okay, great. All right. And so that's what really I, I feel, uh, my role is, is to provide a space to ask questions so that they could answer their own questions and find their own answers and, and, and then take action with what they're saying. Then I, then I ask, okay, so there's your answer. So now what, what are you going to do about it and help them with their decision-making ability? Yeah.
0: It's a common theme that I talk about on here. So people are, uh, or will probably know what I'm going to say, but the, the ADT ask, don't tell. And I always say that because if I tell you something, right, then it's just me as your coach or me as your boss or me as your parent, right? Even our kids. But if I could ask great questions and they come up with it on their own, Well, it's the gospel then at that point, right? It's their idea. And I think that's where we got to get to. And I put this post on last week uh, on social media um, and it was just a blank sheet of paper. And I said, how do you start your 2023 planning? And for me, it's a blank sheet of paper, an ink pen, and a bunch of great questions to ask this guy, right? The guy you look in the mirror. And Mm. so uh, I think that's really, really powerful to ask other people good questions that you're coaching or working with, but ask yourself the questions too, man, because- you're laying in bed at night and you're thinking, or you get up in the morning, you're doing your routines of working out and meditation, whatever it may be. Those questions are really, really solid to ask yourself. Well, oh, It reminds me of,
1: uh, so in 2020, we're at the World Series. We're playing against the Dodgers, and I'm in the outfield during batting practice, and I approach a player who had an outstanding regular season, and I said, what do you got, man? How you doing? And he says, well, I'm really, I'm really nervous. Understandably. So. And yeah. so my next question was, why? what's, what's on your mind? And he starts going, what if I'm, what if I embarrass myself? What if I fail? What if, what if- I ruin it for our team? What, what if all these questions and, and he and I sit there and I said, that's, that's a really good point. And then I say, well, what if, what if you're the MVP of the world series? What if you play so well you you sign a multi-million dollar contract? What if what if you're so good, you're on the cover of MLB the show, the video game, the next season, and we just start laughing. And and he he laugh, he laughs and goes, I see what you did there. I'm like, Well, I
0: see what you did there.
1: What I, I said, so essentially is two principles from this. Number one is when uncertainty is looming, when we do not know what the future holds. Our mind is going to go to the negative it's the negative it's going to be the negative what if we are going to paint this doom and gloom because of the negativity bias as a protective mechanism but another corollary lesson that we learned from this is when you ask yourself a question your mind is going to go and bring back evidence to answer that question so if you're asking yourself why am i such a bad leader your mind is going to go and give you evidence to why you're a bad leader. If you ask yourself, why does this always happen to me? Why am I so bad? Your mind is going to go and find and bring evidence to support that question. And so we always say, if you want better questions or answers, start asking better questions. Instead of asking that, it's okay, what can I learn from this situation? What is, how is this making me stronger? What am I grateful for? Okay, how can my purpose help me through this difficult time? And as you ask yourself these great questions, you're going to be able to build this support through the questions that you ask. And so what we're aiming to do is help athletes and leaders and people enhance the quality of the questions that they ask themselves so that the outputs could be more productive for them.
0: So let me ask you some questions since we're all, since I've been doing it the whole time, actually. Uh, But uh, if I follow you around, okay, I've got a camera crew now. We're going to follow you around for a while. And what am I going to find day in and day out? Justin is doing without fail.
1: Without fail, you will see that there will be, you will see me flow. Like because of the nature, I have three teenagers, three teenage kids uh, we are in a smaller space in Los Angeles, California. We live in Florida. We have kids everywhere. So what you will <laughs> see is how fluid and, and my schedule isn't always under my control now that I'm in the off season. I'm in the off season. I am, I am basically, okay, I'm here, I'm there with my wife with my kids. You will see me do some kind of physical workout every single day. Every single seven day. days a week, you will see me six days a week. One day okay. I will like I, I will yeah six days six days a week. Uh, you will always see me. Um, you will always see me do some type of learning with a book, uh, and you'll see me take journaling. You will always see me doing some type of, of, of growth and reflection of the day. You will always see me check in with a player or a coaching staff of the team. 100% of the time, whether it be through text or phone call to check in with somebody. And you will always see me, uh, I'm going through, I'm, I'm going through school right now. I'm, I'm getting a PhD in organizational psychology. And so I will mm. always be reading a research article right now. Um, always 100% shipping away at my dissertation every single day without fail. And you always see me having some time with the family. Like yeah games or or whatnot, but I will always do that. Now, once the season starts, you'll see, you'll see those things, but it's, it's completely different the schedule.
0: Cause you travel with the team every game, right? I mean, you're gone just like you're a baseball player.
1: Correct. Correct. And so there's a little hesitation in that because sometimes when the team is on the road, I'll stay, stay back with the, with the injured rehab players. Or okay. if the team is at home playing against a team, I'm going to be going to Triple A to 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 help there to see a player who. like So I will, but yeah, ninety percent of the time I'm with the team.
0: You're sitting in the dugout watching the game. That uh, Brett Phillips Correct. was on the team. He was there when yeah, he was there. Uh, that's when you guys hit the uh, or won the uh, World Series, right? Uh, when
1: we won game five, Brett Phillips. Yes, I had, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. yeah. Game winning unbelievable
0: hit. experience, yeah, yeah. He just yeah. got a yes. an award, uh, here in St. Louis on a board I set on the Musual Awards after Stan Musual. And uh, he got an award for the work he's doing, um, with a, with a girl, a little girl down there that's sick with cancer and all Chloe. that. It's an amazing story, Chloe. amazing story, Chloe. yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Beautiful, beautiful, story. Yeah. it's a great story. So I just thought I'd share that. So, um, that's cool. So, Yeah, so when you think about your uh, the power of framing, again, another post you put on there, talk to our listeners about the power of framing. Yeah, uh, framing really
1: comes down to how you are interpreting your situation. I think it was Wayne Dyer who said that when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And even though we cannot control what is happening, to us. We we have a certain amount of control. Power comes in the way you frame it. Power comes in the way you interpret it. What is the meaning you're giving behind your current situation? And is the meaning helping you? Or is the meaning hurting you? And framing is is a term that we use, but the way I like to talk about it are literal frames. When you take a picture, and you put a frame around that picture, there are all types of frames, glass frames, metal frames, big frames, small frames, and it'll add a little color to that picture. And frames are expensive, frames are cheap, frames are homemade and with macaroni and frames are (laughs) are, different types. And that is exactly how we need to look at our situations. How are you framing the situation? Because how you frame the situation will impact number one how it influences you, and then number two what you're going to do about it. Now, I am not a fan, I'm not a fan of uh, of of toxic positivity frames. I am not a fran- fan of everything is great and awesome frames. Oh, or 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 just discounting, um, just just trying to look away frames. Like oh, I'm not gonna i'm not going to i'm not going to account for my role in this situation i'm not going to account for my influence on how bad this is how i'm contributing to the problem no the best frame in my opinion is being able to look at the brutal facts what are the brutal facts how am i contributing to it how am i not contributing to it okay great how is this affecting me how does it make me feel okay, great. What am I going to do about it? And then what are the indicators that my process is right? Uh, because a lot of times what we don't talk about a lot is we don't talk about the lagging effects of a system. So for example, let's say you want to get in shape. You can't go to, to the gym for two weeks, eat right for two weeks and not see, or let's just say, say, let's say one week and you're not seeing any, any um outcome you're not seeing any benefits say ah i'm throwing it out the window it's like no you have to account for the lagging effect you have to account that it's going to take time and so when you do frame and you do identify the changes you need to make and then you need to make the change then you also need to account for the fact that you know what okay i need to account for the fact that this is going to take weeks before i see the benefits of my effort. It might take months before I see the benefits of my effort. And so um, framing has so many other concepts packaged into it, but I think it's, it's on the outset, it's asking yourself, how am I interpreting this? And also accounting for your blind spots and your own cognitive biases. We all have them. We all have biases. We all have these these biases, these blind spots. That's why it's important to surround ourselves with people we trust who can hold us accountable for our own blind spots. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's so big, isn't it? I mean, and I, but I also think that's where you talked about earlier, your journal. I mean, I know for me, my blind spots, it's where, and nobody's perfect, but that's where you sit down and again, ask yourself questions. Right. But I also think when you were, it popped in my mind, as I call it the bounce back theory, is the framing. So no matter what happens in our our day or weeks or months or year, bad stuff, good stuff, whatever, um, how fast we bounce back from defeat matters. The most successful people I've seen, right, they're not going home and getting in the fetal position and saying, poor me and, you know, crying about it. Now, they maybe cry about it for a minute or two, but they're going to get back up, dust themselves off, and they're going to get back at it and figure out a way to get out of the, the crap that they're in. When I was with the Red Sox, with the
1: minor leagues, I, uh, we were doing an example and I had a bouncy ball and I had a baseball. And I told them, hey, which, which one is more resilient? Crickets. Nobody answered. Mm. Understandably so. It was a bad question. They didn't know how to answer <laughs> it. I said, okay, here's a better question. Which one will bounce better when it's dropped from 50 feet up? And they said, bouncy ball, for sure. Now, what if we had an egg in a bouncy ball? They're like, oh, bouncy ball, for sure. And I said, the higher up we go, what's gonna happen to the bounce of the bouncy ball? They're like, it's going to bounce back higher. I said, why? And they're like, because what it's made of, it's made of rubber. It's very resilient, it's gonna bounce back. And then the question was, are you, do you have the resilience of a bouncy ball or do you have the resilience of an egg? or baseball. And I loved what you said. And so we took I gave every single player a bouncy ball to put in their locker as a signal, hey, how fast are you bouncing back? And I I think these tools, these two these mental tools that they're building that they're using all of these things you and I are discussing is for the purpose of them to bounce back quicker. Like yep. to be able to refocus faster, to be more resilient, to get your confidence back quicker, to whatever it may be, faster so that you can get back into the action so you're not laying down and just feeling sorry for yourself. In computer engineering, the term is called refactoring. So what mm-hmm. refactoring essentially is – essentially these – and I tell people, these athletes, they're going to refocus. They're, they're resilient. They're going yeah. to bounce back. But could we give them a tool to help them do it a little bit faster, a little bit quicker than they were before? And if we can do that, then that, that's that's huge. That, that helps so much. And so another thing as well is you're more likely to respond to adversity if you prepare yourself to respond to adversity. So a tool that we do, we call it the bounce back plan to go along with what you said, is we identify what are all the potential pitfalls that you're going to run into? What are the things that, you know, over the course of your season, your day, your week are going to make you mad? A bad call from an umpire striking out three times in a row, having a bad game, getting demoted to AAA. Like you just, all of these, just put them all down on paper. And then what we're going to do is we're going to write, uh, implementation intention. If this happens, then I'm going to respond this way. When this happens, then I'm going to respond this way, so that we're not running from it so that we're expecting it. And so that when that thing happens, all of a sudden, they're like, you know what, I was mentally prepared for this. I didn't want this to happen. But you know what, I knew that th- I wrote down this is how I'm going to respond. And where I learned this lesson was the military for two years. Two and a half years, I was with the soldiers of the U.S. Army, and they planned for this. They planned for okay. When your weapon gets stuck, this is what you're going to do. When you are, when your battle buddy is injured, this is how you are going to drag him out of battle or her out of battle. They literally prepare for worst case scenario so that when it happens, their amygdala they don't they don't freeze they're shocked. They're prepared, they're ready. They think to themselves, I have literally trained for this adversity. Uh, I heard stories of Michael Phelps and his coach. He would train in the dark, he would train with no goggles, he would train with foggy goggles and keep swimming (sighs) because if this happens in the Olympics, we prepared for this and it's not going to catch us off guard. And I think that's something that a lot of people, don't, I think it's intuitive, but we don't practice it. How are you going to respond when these, these friction pieces or these obstacles present themselves?
0: Yeah. That's so strong. Gosh dang, that's so strong. I wrote that down to write it down. And then how are we going to get out of it basically in, in a sense. And so to think about the power of visualization, so many times we think about, Oh, I visualize myself doing this in the positive way, but that negative way. And it, it it's goofy, but it's, it's kind of true. I I have a, I'm kind of superstitious. And so I I hit, like, I play a lot of golf. And when I warm up, I have same sand wedge as my 52 degree wedge, my seven iron and my driver. That's the three clubs I hit when I go to the driving range before a round. but I always hit four golf balls out of a divot. And it's like, you know, you're obviously you're playing the ball down. And so therefore, what if it happens, man, I want to be prepared for it. So I know that feeling when my ball comes out of a divot and it's just like what you're talking about, for this. I think that's a strong, I mean, a really strong exercise for people to do write down all the things that can happen and then write down because now you've been there. I really like what you, I want to really highlight
1: what you just said about visualization. A lot of us, when we say visualize, we visualize or a word I've heard people say is Matt, try to manifest outcomes, visualize yeah. the house, visualize closing the deal, visualize yeah. success. <laughs> now now the problem the 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 problem with that is when mike tyson said it like the 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 famous philosopher mike tyson everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face That's right that's right now what are you going to do if you only visualize the good when adversity strikes you're going to panic because that didn't align with your visualization one thing that's also beneficial is visualize yourself overcoming adversity. Visualize yourself hitting a nice shot out of the dividend. Visualize yourself how you're going to respond after a strikeout. You're going to strike out. Don't be like, no, I'm not going to strike out. You're going to strike out. How do you visualize yourself? How are you going to respond to this difficult conversation? So let's say you're about to have this, give this very difficult feedback to somebody. Very hard phone call conversation you're going to have. You also want to anticipate what is the worst case? What is it going to look like when he or she does not receive this feedback? Well, if they, what is the worst case scenario? How am I going to respond to this? We also have to attribute, prepare for that because you're more likely to respond effectively if you prepare for worst case scenario. And I think sometimes people are afraid to, they don't want to know no i don't want to consider that i don't want to put that bad juju out there it's like well then you're going to struggle when when adversity strikes
0: yeah. so let's let's turn the page now because i know how important your family is man let's let's brag about these kids you've got your your, your children are all doing amazing things but they uh some of them make it on the big screen man
1: and it's it has been such a whirlwind uh to for those who aren't familiar so yeah my my youngest daughter 14 year old In 2019, she played the rock's daughter in his movie, Hobbs and Shaw. Right now, she is the star of a new Disney TV show that's coming out. Uh, We're here in Los Angeles, she's shooting. Um, My son just released his album. Um, he He was in the studio doing things with Drake. Uh, he just received a top, he's 16 years old and he has his career. He signed. It's it's a career where uh, they he has his agent and his manager, my daughter as well. And then my other daughter, Maya, she's she's awesome. She's doing she's doing wonderful things. But it's um we're really just trying to figure this out. We're we're trying to, since they were younger, trying to help them just identify, hey, what do you love to do? Uh, don't answer the question. What do you want to? What do you want to do when you grow up? We ask, "What do you want to do right now?" Okay, yeah. and just do it the best you possibly can. And another thing as well is is we talk about often at the dinner table is when you want to pursue greatness, the odds are against you. Like the odds of Eliana, the odds that you are going to be a movie star and and be with the Rock and Ryan Reynolds and, and Kevin Hart. Are less than one percent. Just oh, so yeah. you know that the odds that you are going to be a star on the Disney show, less than one percent. Jerem, our son, if you're going to be in the billboards, the odds are less than one percent. But my look me in the eyes. Do you love this? Yes, I love this. Okay, great. Do it because you love it. Do it because don't don't pursue. The, the odds are against you. But if you love it and this is what you want to do. All right, mom and dad will put you in the best position we can. And, but you need to love it and work it. And if you don't want to do this, you don't have to do this. We ask her, it's, we ask our daughter and our son, do you still love this? Yes, I love it. Okay. You don't, you don't need this. You don't have to do this. This doesn't define you. It doesn't, doesn't define us as parents. Like, as long as you love it. And so we'll see how, we'll see what they it's do. Amazing. We'll see how far
0: they go. But it's been a fun ride so far. And you, you talk about that one percent i mean so we can we'll pick on that for a minute because they're not i mean to my knowledge you guys are not you know all connected in the movie business and you don't have a background in it it's not like you know you just you, you pick up the phone and call a buddy and something happens i mean th- this is like she went out and made this happen
1: she was eight years old and we were watching tv she's like i want to be an actor and we're like, okay, like we don't know how to do that. We're in this small <laughs> little Bradenton, Florida, and it's not the mecca of we don't don't know what we're doing. Yeah, so right. we get her an acting coach, and we're like, okay, like and and they're doing it, and okay, we need to get her an agent, and we don't have anyone, we don't have any con- zero connections. We come to Los Angeles, she gets declined. Like so many no's, I can't tell you how many no's Wow. And to the point to we're like, we should just, just quit like this. Like, you should just stop <laughs> doing this because the, you can't do it. But she loved it. Like she loved it. We're like, okay, all right. If you love it, like, okay, fine. Like enjoy doing coaching. Cause you're not going to be, in, you're not, you're not getting movies. You're not getting commercials. You're not on stage. You're not doing, but you love it. And then she, she got a yes after a 200 something wow. knows, okay, that'll get us to the next thing. And that'll get us to the next thing. And, she just continued to love it and a lot of tears a lot of a lot of no way more she's she's i think if i think 315 no's in her career like big role and she's gotten like three yeses like three yeses and we thought her role with the rock was gonna open all these doors and yeah it was it wasn't nearly what we thought it was going to be to be completely honest um, but yeah, even even after that, she got most of her nose came after her role with The Rock. That, most of her nose came after that, and then um, Amazing, she got man. with Disney, and yeah, and so it's been uh, my, our son as well. Our son as well. He's he, he's just kind of been in his own, just on his computer, just making beats, and people they just have loved the craft. They love doing it, and they just got better and better and better. And so I love we'll it. See, we'll see where it goes.
0: Well, we'll keep watching them, man. It's been awesome. Uh, having you again on the circuit of success, uh, tell our listeners where to find more of, uh, of you
1: Yeah. So, uh, any, uh, uh Twitter, Instagram, Justin Sua, J U S T I N S U A. That's usually where I put, put all of my stuff and, uh, yeah, looking
0: forward to reconnecting with anyone. It's a, uh, it's a great follow. I will tell you that, man, you always uh, put stuff on there on point, you know, very direct, very helpful. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. Always love seeing it. And, uh, Just keep doing what you're doing, man. Always appreciate you. Thanks so much, Brett. Likewise. Thank you.